I love you and I'll take you with all your mangledness all your struggles yes you're my child come on but I'm going to change you in the process because I love you too much to keep you this way I want to restore and renew and do a work but we have to submit ourselves to the work and the care and the prescriptions of the great physician and it's so easy to just slide over I just don't want to deal with it but I'm here to tell you a lot of us have experienced it If you don't deal with the sickness in your life, it's going to get worse. If you've ever sinned intentionally in your life, then that's reason number one for accepting Jesus. Without Him, sin has devastating eternal consequences. And today, Pastor Daniel will take us through the laws about unintentional and intentional sin. It's a messy issue, but one that will be dragged into the light just as our own sin should be. As we deal directly with the garbage in our lives, Jesus is there to lift the burden and forgive. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Laws Revisited. Verse 22. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it will be if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord with the grain offering and its drink offering according to the ordinance and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them, because all the people did it unintentionally. Verse 27, and if a person sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat in the first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is a native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among them. Now, this is the ordinances for somebody who transgresses against the law, but doesn't realize they're doing it. Notice it's an unintentional sin. Now, what you have to realize is because it's unintentional, they did not do it with malice of forethought would be the way we would say it. They were not premeditated in their rebellion, but they did something that still violated God's commandments. And you notice here that God still holds them accountable for making mistakes that they did not realize was a mistake. Now, there's an important truth in that for us because oftentimes we think, well, you know, I didn't know, and so I shouldn't be held accountable. No, what's wrong is wrong whether or not we realize it or not. And God's ways is, because he is the truth, 
because he is pure love, because he is just, he will call it what it is, even if we don't realize it. Now, you're going to notice that God is going to deal with an unintentional breaking of the law differently than he deals with an intentional breaking of the law. So he realizes just the way our court system has grabbed hold of this, where you have something like murder in the first degree, which is with malice of forethought, or something like unintentional manslaughter. And they're both considered wrong because a life has been lost, but the severity of the penalty is different given the heart condition of the person making the mistake. So even though we don't quite know if you sin unintentionally, even though you didn't know it was wrong, you have to realize it's still wrong. And Jesus still died on the cross because you committed a sin, even though you didn't realize it was a sin. Okay? First, notice this. When someone sins unintentionally, we find out that the priest has to make atonement for the whole congregation. Do you notice that in verse 25? Why? Because we're a family and we're a body. And one person's unintentional mistake tarnishes the whole family because it's about the breaking apart of the fabric of God's creation. None of us live in a vacuum, as it were. None of us live without every decision we make impacting something or somebody. And part of the struggle I think we have with this reality is we live in an individualistic society which says, well, listen, it's my life. Why should you care what I do? Because it's mine. It's like, no, no. We should care what other people do because it impacts all of us. It impacts all of us. We are part of something much bigger than just our own lives. And so now we start to see if we grab hold of the biblical understanding of the human family and specifically the people of God, we start to view our lives differently because we say, if I do not take care of my side of things, my whole family suffers. All the people suffer. When one of us fails, we all fail in a way. That changes the way you look at it. It's not just about either you or you and your family. It's all of us. And I think as churches, sometimes we've made mistakes with that because sometimes I think, well, listen, yeah, I, I just want to sleep in, and so I'm not going to go to church. Imagine if the pastor slept in. If all of a sudden, now imagine, imagine you guys came tonight and I just didn't show. Where's Pastor Daniel? I don't know where he is. No one knows where he is. Because I was hanging out at Wendy's. I was going for an extra double baconator or whatever. Because I was just into that at that moment. That's what I wanted to do. And most people say, that's bad of me, right? Why is it different? Listen, if your eye takes the day off from working, it's going to be, your body's going to struggle. If your foot takes the day off, your body's going to struggle. If your small intestines take the day off, it's going to struggle. Most people don't even know what the appendix does, but if it's not working, everything's really, really bad because every part of the body impacts the rest of the body. And we have to think of our lives bigger than just our own life. We have to say, God, I need you to give me your view of my life and the roles that I play within the community of the people of God. Because what you find, if one person is unintentional, tr- unintentionally transgressing law, it actually, it actually stains the whole community, and the whole community needs to be cleansed again. Now, if you think about that, This is also why the children of Israel did a great job of helping their people understand what God's commandments are. Because they realized that 
They were all in it together. Strong teaching. This is what the Bible says. This is the commandments of the Lord. And and I think we should take the commandments and what's in God's word really seriously that way. So notice, there is a forgiveness for the congregation, and then there is the forgiveness for the individual. So it deals with all the people, and then it deals with the individual. And again, you have all these things like the, a female lamb or a male lamb with the, with the grain offering and the drink offering. And of course, I always love the, the it's a sweet aroma to the Lord. Uh, a lot of pastors like to make the joke that it's, God digs the smell of a barbecue. Um, and I don't actually think it's wrong, but the, the, idea, the idea isn't so much about God's nostrils. It's the sense of something being well-pleasing. Like, I'll be honest, so I'm all Italian and food's a love language for me. And I love when I get home from work and if Lynn's cooking, as I, I eat, pull into the garage and you, you walk out and you could smell something's going on. And depending on what she's cooking, you, you could smell it. And you're just like, ooh. And it's, it's a pleasurable experience. And so what we learn is that these sacrifices bring God pleasure. When the people acknowledge him, when the people acknowledge that when they transgress, that God's holiness is offended, that God takes pleasure in the human awareness and worship of who he is. So listen, with that, do yourself a favor. Don't sin unintentionally. I think that's probably the simplest lesson. Know what's in God's word and follow it and don't pretend that ignorance is bliss. I always like to tell people, ignorance may be bliss, but it's still ignorance. And last time I checked, ignorance isn't always that good of a thing. So know God's heart and live it out. And again, if you want to study more, we looked at unintentional sin, Leviticus chapter 4. Again, that's in the sacrifice series. Now, moving into verse 30, it says, But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is a native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord. He shall be cut off from among the people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Now, this is a very, very serious response. When somebody knows that something is wrong and they defiantly sin against the Lord in The Hebrew, it literally means he sins with a high hand, which speaks of arrogance and blasphemy. That person is called to suffer the death penalty under the law. Why? Because they are in complete rebellion and defiance against the Lord. Notice, he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off. Now, Show of hands. How many of you have sinned intentionally in your life? Yep. And this is why we believe in Jesus, my friends. Jesus died the death that we deserve because every single one of us has sinned intentionally. Your parents said, I don't want you to eat that cookie, and you ate the cookie. I don't want you to talk, and you spoke. I want you to sit down. You sit down, but I'm standing up in the inside. We have all done that. 
And this is why we believe unabashedly, unashamedly in the finished work of the man, Christ Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. That is why he died on the cross, because he took the cutting off that we deserved because he knew that that punishment would bury us for eternity. And my friends, that is why, that is why for 2,000 years until the Lord comes back, people are going to proclaim the name of Jesus. Because he is the only one who will take your punishment and take my punishment. You will never find somebody who will completely stand and take all of the punishment that we deserve. And that is because Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus took what we deserve. He took our punishment for presumptuous sin. That's why we believe in him. Now, With that being said, the Bible tells us that we should not sin that grace may abound. So if you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, don't sin presumptuously. He died and rose again, not so that we keep doing things that we know are wrong. We love God enough to hate the sin and quit the sin and follow after him. And listen, my friends, if you are struggling, and we all are, you need to talk to people. Confess your sins to one another. Drag it into the light and deal with it before it progressively gets worse. John Owen, the great Puritan preacher, said, you're either killing sin or sin is killing you. So you are either on the offensive or you are being pummeled by it. That is the human condition. That's why Jesus would say things, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He's not saying, he's not the God of amputation, like popping eyes out and wants you no hands. What he's saying is that you got to deal ruthlessly with the garbage in your life, and so do I. And Jesus places that stuff in our care, and his spirit says, I need you to stop that. But we need to be willing to go to the mattresses with this stuff. We have to be careful because it's so easy to know the forgiveness of God. And think, I'm just going to keep doing it again. I'm going to do it again because I know Jesus is going to forgive me. He's always forgiven me. We should not sin that grace may abound. In the King James, it says, God forbid. God forbid. We need to press into his grace. Now, listen, you know what the problem is, is with outing yourself on your struggles? Shame. That's the problem with it. But guess what? You got shame already. Just because nobody knows does not mean you're not walking around full of shame. But the only way to get past your shame is to speak it out loud and receive the grace of God. See, no amount of covering up is going to change the shame factor. You ain't fooling anybody, neither am I. The only way shame can be eliminated is by the extravagant grace of God. So my brothers, my sisters, if you know it's wrong, stop and tell somebody. Listen, just, you know, whoever you tell, they're a sinner too. There shouldn't be any judgment because we all are seeking to follow the Lord. Look around. All of us sinners in need of a Savior. All of us redeemable by the grace of God. That's the gospel. There's not, the only perfect person in this room is Jesus of Nazareth. All the rest of us jacked up. And I'm the first among us. 
I'm not saying you guys are jacked up. No, we are. The gospel is, is that God is not content to leave us all jacked up. That's the gospel. He's like, I love you and I'll take you with all your mangledness, all your struggles. Yes, you're my child. Come on. But I'm going to change you in the process because I love you too much to keep you this way. I want to restore and renew and do a work, but we have to submit ourselves to the work and the care and the prescriptions of the great physician. And it's so easy to just slide over. I just don't want to deal with it. But I'm here to tell you, a lot of us have experienced it. If you don't deal with the sickness in your life, it's going to get worse. It's progressive. It never stops right where it is. It never does. Presumptuous sin, punishable by death, by death. Now look, going on from here, verse 32. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Now, those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Now, what you have here is you have a man who's breaking the Sabbath law. He's picking up sticks. And the idea is he's picking up sticks to make a fire, to build a house or something. Now, don't forget, they were told to do no customary work, and God was feeding them with extra food on the day before the Sabbath, so they didn't have to do any work on the Sabbath. But notice, they found this man picking up sticks, and they said, God, we don't know what to do with this guy. What do we do? And so what did they do? They inquired of the Lord. I like this. My friends, if you don't know what to do, inquire of the Lord. If you don't have a verse that just runs out there and you're like, that's the verse that we're supposed to follow, you got to say, we should pray. You know what happens if you don't say we should pray? Then we all do whatever seems right in our own mind. And guess what? That never works good. Especially with the fact that everybody's got something else in their own mind, right? One person wants to do this. One person wants to do this. And before you know it, nobody knows what they're doing. And someone's losing their mind. That's what happens. Inquire of the Lord. Say, Lord, what is your will? And they went to the Lord and said, Lord, what do we do? You know, we found this guy. He was picking up sticks, and he wasn't playing pick up sticks. He was working on the Sabbath. And the Lord said, this man needs to be put to death. Stone him with stones outside the camp. And I love the fact that God knew that we were going to live in 21st century Pacific Northwest. He said, stone him with stones. I don't have to say, not like stone him with weed or stone him with whatever. God clarified. This is killing him by throwing rocks at him. That's what it means. Because God knew we were going to be here today, and we needed that clarification. Because I know somebody would be here like, I'm going to go pick up sticks, God. They're going to stone me. Nice. <laughs> Not you guys, but somebody, somebody here is thinking that. You sinner. No, it's, but you know what I mean? And so, now, I know what some of you are thinking. I'm making a joke, but some of you are thinking, I mean, are you serious? Like, they're going to kill the guy for doing work on the Sabbath day? You know what the answer is? Yes. Why? Because it's a presumptuous sin, and the wages of sin in the Bible is What? Death, And the reason we don't like the fact that sinning equals death is because we all sin all the time and we forget that God is a just and holy God. The reason we think that's extreme is because we are so used to being rebellious that we're like, well, what's the big deal? I'm always like this. That's the problem. And that God is so perfect that it's absolutely offensive to a perfect God. 
And the reason I think people in our day and age struggle with biblical morality is because the church is not putting forth the vision of the biblical God, not just a God of love, but a God of justice and holiness and majesty and wisdom. And we're always like, oh, well, God's loving. So why would a loving God want people to die? No, God is in his love is also properly just. Love involves anger and jealousy at anything that goes against God's perfect plan. Because God is jealous for us, not because he's deficient, but because he loves us so much, he only wants the best for us. How many parents know what it's like to be jealous for your kids? Every parent does. Why? Because you see them and you want the best for them and you want their friends to be amazing and you want them to do so well because they're your child and you think the world of them. And we get that. Now, listen, we can take that jealousy and we can make our kids all crazy and we can, they're having ulcers when they're five because you're yelling at them from the soccer sidelines and all that kind of stuff. But that's our own garbage. You know what I mean? But every parent, in a way, is jealous for the blessing and the benefit of their kids. And we get that from our Heavenly Father. He's jealous for us, not because he's deficient. He's jealous for us because he knows what's at stake and he wants the best for us. All sins are punishable by death. Don't get me wrong. There are differing levels of severity as we experience them on earth. But all sins are also saved the same way by the finished work of Jesus. Now, we might think all breaking the Sabbath. I mean, I can't believe this is such a big deal. It is a big deal. Now, someone's going to say, well, why don't we keep the Sabbath, Pastor Daniel? Why? Because we read our Bibles and Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We need to Sabbath so that we learn how to rest and we live in a crazy culture that nobody ever stops working. Workaholism is the perfect proof that our society is broken. I mean, who wants to work themselves to death? All of us do, right? A little bit. It's a sickness. But Jesus, in Jesus, we cease from our labors. So listen, don't worry about what the Sabbath day is. Jesus is the eternal Sabbath of the people of God. In Jesus, we stop working and we are saved by grace apart from work. Still rest. Have a discipline and a rhythm of rest in your life and family. It's good for you. That was made for you, not you for the rest. But Jesus is our rest. Look at verse 37. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels on the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So the tassels, or if you would see them today uh, in Hebrew, they call them tzitzis. And if you go to either Israel, if you're part of the tour that we're going to be taking in November over there, or if you've ever seen a picture of somebody who is a more uh, conservative or orthodox practicing Jewish person, they'd have the little, uh, the little tassels out. And the idea is the tassels are there to remind them of God's commandments, right? That one, they have a blue thread in them. I was actually going to wear them tonight and I couldn't find them in my closet, but I have a pair of them and it's a reminder. And you know, reminders are good things. That's really the key. What do you need to do to remember 
what God has for you. Jesus is Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. There are two things that I love in this world. One is Jesus, you know that, and the second is coffee. There's nothing like a hot beverage to bring people together. We've all met people at coffee shops to have great conversation, to be able to spend time together in fellowship, and we love to drink coffee out of our special Jesus is Real coffee mugs. It's one of the ways we get the message out. And we want to bless and say thank you to the Jesus is Real supporters who help us get this program out and are helping us expand to new marketplaces that people can hear this message in other places. So Josh is going to come on with more information on how you can get this special limited edition Jesus is Real coffee mug. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. We are so very thankful for all of you that have supported Jesus is Real Radio. Every donation helps us continue and, as Pastor Daniel mentioned, expand the reach of Jesus is Real Radio. We would love to send you your very own Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug like Pastor Daniel mentioned. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of June, we will send you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug as a thank you. All you have to do is visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. There you can send your donation securely. And as a thank you, we'll send you a limited edition Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Again, that's all available at JesusIsRealRadio.com. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire team at Jesus Is Real Radio, may God bless you.